0: Father, we lift our gifts to you. It is a joy and privilege to be in this house. Lord, I was thinking today how rich I am as a man, a husband, a father, someone like me that you should have judged in my sins. But you graced me and you rescued me and you established me and you set my feet upon a rock. And I just bless you with my heart, with my affections, with my words and with my resources, Lord. Use these monies that we give today to change lives. And we want to remind you, as we do every week, we give to you first before the government takes their share and before we provide for our wives, our children, our husbands, our our goals, our businesses, our dreams, our pleasures. You first, O Lord. We know that if we honor you and we are favored, there's nothing you won't provide for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter 3. This, Lord willing, is the final installment, the eighth installment. It's the longest series I've ever done. Uh, I trust that it's been a blessing to you as we've studied the, the great story of redemption in the life of Ruth, who is a type of the Gentile, Naomi being a type of the Jew, who uh, the Israelites who left the God and come back. And now the Jew and Gentile together are redeemed by Boaz. And it's a beautiful, beautiful type of salvation. And we've covered that in the previous uh, seven lessons. Uh, may I ask you just to stand one more time? And I want to ask you to stand again just for the reading of God's Word. Ruth, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And then Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, "'My daughter, shall I not seek rest for you, that it might be well with you? "'And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens you were? "'Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. "'Wash yourself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, "'and get thee down to the floor.' But make not yourself known unto the man until he should have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that you shall mark the place where he shall lie. And you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lay yourself down. And he will tell you what you should do. And she said unto her, All that you tell me to do, I will do it. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all her mother-in-law had bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. Just pause right there. When we read Mary, we read tipsy. That's not what this Hebrew word Mary means. It means satisfied, content. And when we hear the word drunk, we think drunken. That's not what the Hebrew word means. It primarily means the drinking of water or something to wash down the food. It says when he is satisfied and went to bed. Just thought I would throw that out there for free to you. Somebody reads it and they think Mad Dog 2020 and that's not what he was doing. (laughs) So she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid herself down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid or shocked and he turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet and he said, who are you? And if you'll allow me to pause one more time, don't forget that this is outside in the middle of a field. This is not inside where you can flip on a light and say, who are you? He just... Since somebody, and the reason he's sleeping at the field is so no thieves will come in and steal the grain, so he was scared. So he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your handmaid. Spread therefore your skirt over your handmaid, for you are my near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be you of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as that you followed not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do all that you need or require. For all the city of my people does know that you are a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there was one nearer than I. Tarry this night and it shall be in the morning. That if he will not perform unto you the part of a kinsman. Then, if he will, then well, let him do the kinsman part. But if not, then I will do the part of a kinsman to you. And as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning and rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. And he said, Bring the veil that you have upon you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her lap. And she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who are you, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And Naomi said, Or she said, these six measures of barley gave he to me. For he said, do not go empty unto your mother-in-law. And then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how this will play out. For the man will not be in rest until he has finished this thing today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are in a dispensation of grace that focuses upon our access to the Lord Jesus Christ, or to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. The veil has been rent. We have boldness, therefore, to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which God hath consecrated through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And now, having a high priest over the house of God, we are to draw near with full assurance of faith. But in that, there's something missing. We see God the Father in this generation clearly, but we don't see God Almighty clearly. We approach Him any old kind of way, with any old kind of attitude, with any old kind of disposition. We approach Him in unbelief as well as as disobedience. And when Ruth, who was already elected, she was already recognized, but when she desired to change her status... From one of the handmaids to the wife. Someone from the peripheral to the inner circle. There was a standard. It's not a list of rules. It's a mindset of how she would approach. How she would uh, carry herself. In my generation, we've grown up, there were protocol. How you would go into certain meetings and certain restaurants. And there was a way you carried yourself. And I, I, I'm not one of legalism. I don't think that tends to any form of life. But there's something to be said about an awareness that if I go into someplace special, there ought to be something special about me, my preparation. You don't go to a black tie event in your skinny jeans. You just don't do it. You shouldn't go anywhere in your skinny jeans. <laughs> God, help us. You think the collars turned up was bad. That Just, just say no, people. Just say no. The seriousness of anything can be found in, in the links that one will go to prepare for it. The seriousness of anything can be found in how you prepare for it. These people that are getting their nursing degrees and their bachelor's degrees and their master's degrees, they don't give those things away. You must prepare yourself. You must exile yourself from the crowd and get alone in a cubicle. When I was in college, you studied the microfilm. Y'all remember? Dewey Decimal. Tell that to your nine-year-old. But you, you can tell the seriousness of it. When we send our young men off to war, we don't tell them good luck. There's a basic training that prepares them. Our police officers, our firemen, go through extensive preparation based upon the seriousness of their call. You can start at a job answering phones tomorrow, but if it's a serious thing, There must be preparation. And I think one of the things missing in our lives is the seriousness of our relationship with the Lord. Not just familiarity, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I I know Him as my Father, but He is also the Almighty God, the everlasting God. He's the one that glory pulses from Him and angels can't even look. They, They hide their eyes when His presence is so full of splendor. It's like a million sunshines. And I'm telling you in this story, as we culminate this series, it's one thing to know about favor. It's one thing to know about being blessed. It's one thing to know about the one that God brings from the back of the field to owning the field. That's one thing. But to see Him is altogether separate from us. That means holy. Altogether separate. I want to talk to you for a few moments. And if you're waiting on me to preach, I already preached. On the preparations of the believer. These ought to be part of your life. Not to be accepted, but because you're accepted. Not to be accepted, but because you're accepted. Preparations of the believer. When Naomi was uh, counseling Ruth, she said, When you go before the kinsman, wash yourself. This washing refers to the removing of the things that stick to us, making us unclean, the things that defile us, and how the world contaminates us. She said, Make sure before you go that you don't just throw something on over the dirt. The Bible is clear how we clean ourselves. We are made clean through humility, repentance, and by God's Spirit in 1 John 1.9. We are made clean by the washing of the Word of God, Ephesians 5.26. And we're made clean by the application of the blood of Jesus Christ, 1 John 1.7. Wash yourself. If if my wife were to come uh, on a date with me, and she smelled of another man's cologne. First of all, go ahead and take out life insurance on that man. Uh, and if she were to say, what's wrong with you? And I said, I know who that is. So well, he's not here. Yeah, he's here. When we come before the Lord, we're not supposed to smell of his enemies We're not supposed to smell of the spirit of this world. And this is hard because the world pumps its fragrance through these huge fans. Everything you turn on, everywhere you go, everywhere you talk to, everyone you talk to. It's like driving by Burger King at lunch hour. You know what I'm talking about? And they blow that smoke out and it it gets on you. And you go in a barbecue place and it gets on you. You don't know it's on you, but it's on you because your dog's real excited to see you. When you come home after you've been to the barbecue place. Before you go before the Lord, wash. Watch. You must do this personally. The pastor doesn't do it through preaching. You don't do it through singing in your car. You don't do it through gifts of alms. It is a personal inspection of your spiritual hygiene that you don't emanate the filth of this world. Singing one thing in your car, turning it off, coming in here, and singing to God. These things ought not to be. Lewd things, crass things, uh, vulgar things, sinful things. Glorifying everything from adultery to homosexuality to to lasciviousness to uh, any form of lust or greed. Wash yourself, Ruth, because God will never do it for you. It is not Boaz's place to clean you. Now, woman, does God clean us? Well, yes, through his blood, through his water, through his washing, through his spirit. But we are the one that come before him, and we do this to ourselves. We repent, and God will not wash what you don't repent of. Well, the Lord understands. No, he doesn't. Filth is filth. And another man's fragrance is another man's fragrance. We are to be holy, separate unto the Lord, which means we are going to live a narrow life. Anybody else besides me tired of turning off every show you start to like? (laughs) What's the options? You like it, you get into the characters, and then there's two episodes that make you go, okay. Because see, I can't celebrate their sin... And come into God's house and thank Him for my wellness. Thank you very much. There is some, it, this is something, this washing, we must do purposefully. Now, uh, I've learned, and please know I'm not being disrespectful. I've learned that humor helps us take stuff, like a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Okay. Have you ever known anyone with bad hygiene? Y'all looking so serious. Have you known anybody that, let me take it another level. Have you ever known anyone that was arresting, that they emanated? Why are y'all looking so serious? Have you ever known anyone like that? And no one loves them enough to say, Listerine, hey, Listerine, tic-tac, something, something. No one can do this for you. And sometimes, here's what I was, since that didn't go over at all, I'll just. (laughs) If you stay that way long enough, you don't notice anymore. And we've been carnal so long we don't notice anymore. Wash yourself purposefully, personally, thoroughly, and consistently. Funny thing about bathing I just keep having to do it over and over again. My favorite thing about our new house, of course, we're just right up the street, three minutes from my girls and my little boy and my wife, who's putting her in front, my wife and my babies and my boy. Just love being close. But do you know what's the greatest unexpected blessing? Tankless water heater. My wife, who loves me immeasurably, every time, not most of the time, every time in the cold months, would stay in our shower at Riverdale until the first little bit of cold hit her. And she'd spin it off. And I step in, you know, I, I turn on the hot and I let it run for just a minute and I step in. Moon River! Just freezing, freezing. It's amazing, though, that I still have to shower even though I showered. Help me, yesterday. And in the summer months... You need to take two and three sometimes. Because if I can see all the moisture everywhere in the shirt, you just need to go home and change that shirt. Just fix that. Wash that. God loves hygiene. And you know what I've found in our Christian life? Sometimes we'll really do it on Sunday. We'll talk to the Lord honestly. We'll repent before Him. And then it'll be a week to two weeks depending on if we felt like going to church the next week before we ever wash again. I'm I'm telling you, this is good for your soul. I'm not beating us up. Just wash yourself. And very few people will tell you. I'm telling you, we need to do this consistently. Wash your feet. That which sticks to you in your daily travels. Wash your body. So that nothing foul emanates from you. And wash your face. Oh, this is real good. Wash your face. I shouldn't be able to see your past on your face. Wash your face. Wash your face. If the Lord's delivered you from drunkenness and alcoholism, I shouldn't be able to see it. On your face, If He's delivered you from homosexuality, I shouldn't be able to see it on your face. If He's delivered you from all types of sin, I shouldn't be able to see your past on your face. Wash your face. Scrub it. We need to have the countenance, the radiance. I loved what my sister said when she was giving her testimony. Here's what she was saying. She wasn't saying that I no longer feel anxiety at times. She was saying, He has scrubbed me so that I was able to come off that medicine and it takes daily sometimes sometimes a couple of times a day but I wash the old residue of my past weaknesses infirmities I scrub myself because he showed me how and I'm clean Ruth number 1 wash yourself I'll get off this cuz I lost half of you on number 1 let me get to number 2 number 2 anoint yourself to make yourself fragrant pleasant Something that goes before you, covering the smell of flesh. And we're not talking about cheap cologne. And you know, if you put the cologne on before you do the washing, you just got dirty cologne. You know, it's not, it's not good. This speaks, anoint yourself, speaks of the person and presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The word anoint means to smear all over. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that means that when we are alone with the Lord, the fragrance is so strong, you could literally pull it out of the air and wipe it upon you. Make sure that when you anoint yourself with... give you a visual. On Sunday, when you have the Lord's presence and you really feel Him in a corporate way, make sure you don't put that on a dirty person. Make sure that you come in clean already and that you cover yourself so that the first thing God smells... The first thing God smells is Himself on you. Not some religious cologne. Not some couple of cliches or hashtags. But He sees the Lord Jesus on you. Put ye on the Lord Jesus. He gave us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He did that, but He will not put Jesus on us. We do that. How do we do that? Be ye filled with the Spirit. In the Greek it says, be ye being filled, consistently be filled, be full of God, overflowing with God. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, be filled with the Spirit anyway. Be filled with the Spirit. We know what demon possession looks like. Hollywood showed us. Your head spins around on an axis. You project green stuff. You levitate. You have dark eyes. You know, that's demon possession. What does God possession look like? Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self control. Put ye on the Lord Jesus. Fill yourself. How do you do it? Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It is God that anoints us, but what we do with that anointing is up to us. We have the measure of the Lord's Spirit that we desire. We walk as closely to Jesus as we desire. Anoint yourself. It is Christ who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, but the command to live the Spirit-filled life is given to us. Be ye being filled. Nobody raise your hand. Nobody answer. How full of the Holy Spirit are you? I didn't ask you what you don't do. Well, you know, I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not cheating on my taxes. I'm not out being violent. That's not what I ask you. How full of the Holy Spirit are you? Have you all seen my little boy, Elisha? Fatty McButter Pants, have you seen him? He is so big. I tell Kelly, I said, stop feeding him so much. She said, I'm feeding him the normal amount. No, well, you know if a baby just eats and then you shake them, they can spit up? Like an hour and a half after he eats, he's sitting there and the milk just comes out of him like this. It just comes out. It just starts seeping and oozing out of him. It's like if you broke his leg gravy would come out. You know, just, he's just full. I'm trying to make it humorous so it'll go down, so it'll go down. Whatever you have in you comes out of you. And the only way to be full of the Spirit, when we're on local television at the worst time of our life, is to have the Spirit in you. Uncle Buddy Robinson, anybody remember him? Anybody old enough to remember the name Uncle Buddy Robinson? Wesleyan Methodist, holiness minister, had a horrible speech pediment pediment, and turned the, the part of the nation where he ministered upside down in tent meetings. God's anointing was on him. And he was on a stage one time and the guys drove by. This was a long time ago. drove by in their old cars and threw rotten tomatoes at them while they were on the stage. And it hit, that hit him and hit the host pastor and everything. And the host pastor cussed. This is long before the cameras, so it was just eyewitness account. But the, I guess it was a four-letter word. I'm not going to guess which one it was. But the rotten tomato hit him and he's blank. And hit Uncle Buddy Robbins. He goes, pff, pff, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's a true story. I'm not making this. You can't make up stuff this good. So after the, the service... The the witness said that the pastor come up. Don't go, but said, "I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. I, I bring you here, and then I just I usually don't cuss like that. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry." And he said, but, "But but 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 that's okay. When when, when tomato, tomato hit you, cuss was in you. I when it hit you, that's 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 why it come out. It come out. But praise was in me. And when the tomato hit me, praise come out." Be filled with the Spirit. You can drink till you're satisfied. No one determines the walk that you have. No one determines the the amount of God you have in your life but you. And we make excuses for it. And we substitute everything else from flash to polish. And it's all rubbish. Be filled with the Spirit. Anoint yourself. Come before Him and say, put your hands on me. Breathe on me. We used to sing that. Breathe on me, O Lord. Let Let your presence be seen about me. Could it ever be said of me or you that when people are around us, they sense the presence of the Lord? Anoint yourself. Number three, dress yourself. Put your raiment on. This wasn't the idea of changing dirty clothes and putting on clean clothes. Here's what Naomi was telling her. Take off your everyday common clothes and put on your best. She picked out what she would wear. These were not work clothes. There was more to her than what she did. Listen this morning. There's more to us than what we do. These were not clothes of fashion. There was more to her than fitting in with the crowd. And she was not looking to catch the eyes of many, but instead the heart of one. This isn't about wearing suits or dresses. My generation pursued that. It's not about dressing down. This generation pursues that. It's the idea that if I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to be my best. For me, just me, I don't preach it on nobody else. That's why I worship this way. It's the best I have in my closet. And it challenges me in a small way to remember the bigger things that I'm not giving him my best at. Dress yourself. How many of you own your own business or you do interviewing for job, uh, placement in your place of work? Do you size them up when they walk in the door? Before they ever show you their resume and references and you go, "He ain't even bathed. Wrinkled up and what they're saying is I'm just keeping it real. I'm just, you know, I'm real. I don't iron or nothing. I'm keeping it real. And that's not a color thing. Hey, white, black, green, yellow, red. It's just it's just me. I'm keeping it real. You're keeping it unemployed, is what you're keeping it. (laughs) You can't even take care of yourself. You don't know how to present yourself. How can I let you present my company when you can't even present yourself? We're supposed to be an example, an advertisement, a billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we got to know how to carry ourselves. Listen, it's it's fine. It's fine to wear blue jeans. It's fine. They ought to be clean. They ought to be pressed. Our, Our countenance ought to be right. Our diction ought to be right. Our words ought to be right. We don't have to be the most flamboyant at work, but we always represent the Lord Jesus Christ in everything we do, including how we dress including how we dress. She put her raiment on and they were bridal clothes. Not a white wedding dress but a dress that spoke to Boaz. Her attire reflected who she was unclaimed. Her attire reflected what she wanted him to claim her. Her attire reflected why she was here. She was proposing Her attire reflected where she was going to live in his house. This dressing, this dress, had very little to do with where she was, but had everything to do with where she was going. God can tell how we come before him, how serious we are, how respectful we are, and how forward-thinking we are. This is the dress rehearsal for heaven. You're not gonna be comfortable putting on a garment of praise there if you don't have one here. Well, I don't understand all this loud, all it's loud, and and that one lady, she she was happy. I don't get all of that. You're gonna be nervous in heaven. Do you understand? You are gonna be so nervous. I believe that heaven is gonna be like a wave of glory that washes through the new Jerusalem, and not only people, not only angels, not only the redeemed, not only all, all living things, the earth itself, the trees of the field, clap their hands at the glory of the Lord. She was saying, I'm not just dressing for today. You are. This is a dress rehearsal for tomorrow. If the trumpet goes off right now, what are you wearing? Right now. I am cloaked in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing else to give, nothing else to bring. And His righteousness has been put on me in place of my righteousness. And if you think of yourself more highly than you ought, and you're proud of your religious pedigree, and you're known by what you've done instead of what He's done, I don't want to be wearing your garments when the wedding invitation comes. Number four, humble yourself says, she went down to the threshing floor. Now, you have to understand what a threshing floor was. In the middle of their barley field, and you remember I told you the season was changing? At the barley harvest, the time of first fruits, which means the best is yet to come. You remember I told you how the Lord has taken some of us into a new season, a new day with Him? A threshing floor was not a building. It was in the middle of a field. They would take uh, wood that was roped together And they would drag it behind them and they would beat down and with oxen they would make out this place in the middle. And as they harvested, they would bring it all to the middle, big, large, circular area. And they would beat it down and separate the grain from the husk and the chaff and all of this. And Boaz would sleep down there because he was the owner of the field to protect the finished product, the the, the grain that was harvested. So for Ruth to go down to the threshing floor didn't mean to go down the stairs into a building. It means down to where he was. Now check this. Check this. It's so good. On the humble yourself. In the same way, Christ was beaten down and broken apart. So that the life that he gave for us would be the first fruits of the life for us to come. The threshing floor is the same thing as going to the foot of the cross and identifying yourself with the breaking. He said, if, I, if the seed ab- uh, doesn't die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it will reproduce many. So to humble ourselves means that we come to where he is. Watch. She didn't wait for Boaz to come to her. She went to him in humility. And watch what happens. She did not try And manipulate him through other people. No notice of her writing a letter. Do you like me? Check here. Will you put in a good word for me? You've known him longer than me. Because Christianity cannot be done by proxy. I want everybody to look at me. Pastor, bishop, pope, cardinal, vicar, intercessor, prophet, teacher. Uh, Nobody. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. God and man. You don't don't worship through someone else. You don't pray to a dead saint. Well, I I shook John's hand. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. It don't help you in your walk with God. Humility says that I'm not going to try to use other people to get close to you. I'm not going to try to find what I want under the hand of an evangelist where he throws me to the floor. I want to find what I need at the foot of the cross under the smile of the Lord Jesus. And I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there in the place of your harvest. So it is with us. We meet him at the floor. We meet him where he is. Now where is God today? High and lifted up. We come before Him. Watch. Washed. Anointed. Dressed. And humble. You don't just jump into Daddy God's lap. He is my Father. But He's also the Ancient of Days. The Lord of Glory. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is as important to us as the Father. Both. Uh, Ben, if you would come please. We must present Ourselves. Present yourself. Boaz was asleep. And she came softly. Look at verse 7 and 8. And uncovered his feet. And laid herself down. And it came to pass at midnight. That he was startled. And he turned himself. And a woman was there. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your handmaid. Spread, therefore, your skirt over your handmaid, for you are a near kinsman. Who are you? Who are you? Picture the scene. Pitch black. He's asleep on the floor with a uh, rough blanket thrown over him. Pitch black. And at the foot of his pallet is a lady... Half kneeling, half laying on her side, not touching him. Who are you? I'm yours. Do you see the beauty of that? She didn't say who she once was. She didn't say pagan, idolatrous, Moabitess. She didn't say I'm the best thing that's ever happened to you. Some people act like that when they come to church, like God ought to be happy. They come. You know, they do. Well, as tired as I am, Stay home. Do us all a favor. Stay home. Who are you? I'm yours. Spread your skirt over me. Do you remember when Boaz first met her? He said, I I know what you've done. And I, I know who you are. And you've come to trust under the wings of God. Do you remember? You've come to trust. What this means, the skirt means the corner of the blanket. Watch. Only your wife... It's under your blanket. Put just a corner on me. Just a promise. And one translator says, put your wings over me. You said God did it. God would do it. You do it. And see, Jesus is that for us. Put put your cover over me. So this man and this... Oh, it's another sermon. People that said how... Uh, lewd this was and manipulative and she shouldn't have been in there this was pure and holy and lust free and he took the corner of his blanket watch took some off of him and put it over her and here's this woman on the floor with half a blanket on her like, hey later later Later, we're not going to see through a glass darkly, but we're going to be together. Later, there will be no earthly veil separating us. I'll actually get to put my hands in the hand of the one that died for me. Later. And right now, all I got is a promise. But later, face to face. Does anybody else, does your heart leap at the thought of this? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Later. So who are you? I'm your boy. I'm your daughter. Cover me. Cover me. And finally, prove yourself. Prove yourself. He said, Blessed be you of the Lord, my daughter, inasmuch as you did not chase after young men, whether poor or rich. What did he mean by that? Listen. Boaz was keenly aware that there were younger men, more handsome men, that would appeal to her flesh than the will of God. And she chose him anyway. And you and I say no to the things that would satisfy us immediately. It would satisfy our flesh thoroughly in the moment. And Boaz said, oh, you told them all no so you could have me. You see? Do You see the perfect type? We've told the world no, no, no. Because, and he said blessed are you because of this you've proved yourself by your mature choices you've proved yourself by your vulnerabil- vulnerability laying at my feet while I was asleep not knowing how I would react you've proved yourself by your confidence and boldness you said I'm your handmaid you proved yourself by the knowledge of his word and the ways of his people spread your skirt over me you proved yourself here it is By your patience. And she laid at his feet till morning. She didn't get in the pallet with him. She's willing to spend the night with a promise. And we who are God's people. We who are God's people. We have the earnest of his spirit. That's all. I ain't never seen heaven. I've never seen God. Nothing. All we got is a promise. And this world is getting darker by the hour. And God's saying to us this morning as we culminate the series. Sit still till morning. Or be still all through the night. Will you stay at my feet all night long? And then when she woke up. He said now look. There will be people that don't understand this. Have you ever felt that way as a Christian? There will be people that don't understand this at all. So don't just, just get home. And look, take the veil off. She took her veil off. He said, open it up. And he filled it full of what he was working on. And the Bible has said, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of any of us what God has prepared for us. But he's revealing it to us by his Spirit. And so he gives us tokens If he gave you and me our three babies, what's he got planned in heaven? Grandma, what's he got got planned? So Ruth came home. I'm finishing, I promise. Ruth came home and Naomi said, how is it, my daughter? What happened? And she told him, she told Naomi everything and Naomi goes, oh, this is good. (laughs) And she brought it and dumped it on the floor. She goes, Ruth, sit still because he won't rest. I'm just am just Pastor Andy's transition. He won't rest till he finishes it. And you can read what happened, how he bought her back and he bought Ruth, paid for it, swapped shoes. It's a great story. Ruth chapter 4 and got witnesses. But the part I wanted to close with is this. Your future is not just determined by God's plan but your preparation. Do you walk before the Lord humbly meekly what if I had something in my hand that would go off at the smell of this world and the smell of sins and just I'm no better than nobody here how would you say such a thing then because it goes off on me all the time and the Lord goes wash yourself wash yourself cleanse yourself the day is right at the brink the coming of the Lord and we don't want to be in dirty wedding garments when it goes off, we want to go. I'm ready. Yes. Yes. It's, it's at the door. Oh, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready. You know what? A wedding dress make anybody look good. I'm ready to go home. I'm, I'm going to be groomed. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? I don't know where you are. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But what's missing in your life may not be your works, it may be your preparation. You may be waiting on God to do something you're supposed to do. The angels are poised. I believe the trumpet is already to his lips, waiting on God to say, Now prepare yourself for the life to come. Be ready. Be clean. Be dressed. Be anointed. Be proven. Tell this world no. Tell this world you're looking for a a new city whose builder and maker is God. With nobody looking around this morning, just in case. Say, Pastor John, I'm not a believer, but something in my spirit is letting me know that I just need to make it right with God. And I just want you to know I'm repenting today. And I'm asking Christ to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but slip your hand up. God, that's me, and I'm praying today. God sees you. Thank you. Anybody else? God sees you. I'm praying today, Lord, to that one that raised your hand. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Church family, would you stand with us this morning? Would you give me 90 seconds? I had a buddy of mine write me this week and said, in the future, would you do something soon on end times and where we are as a nation and our global events? And your pastor is not an end time scholar at any measure. I've studied, but there are many men that know a lot more than me. But I I hope to in the next couple of weeks, if the Lord should carry, take a Sunday. But listen, I want to close with this part today. There is nothing that has to happen before the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. The stage is set. Do you understand that in my lifetime, we now have the capacity to monitor every transaction of buying and selling? Easily. Easily. I believe that we are going to face economic collapse and or ruin in the United States. Here's why. We would never agree to a one-world currency unless it benefited us. We'd ne- wear the, the standard. The dollar's the standard. But if the dollar stopped being the standard, and our economic system collapsed, if it meant going up several notches, we would tie into the one-world currency. Everything now is one world, one world, one world, one world. It's right at the door. It's not going to get better. Well, are we supposed to pray for revival? Well, the harvest of souls. But Jesus was clear. Gross darkness is going to cover the earth. And gross darkness of people. But the children of God are going to rise and shine. And the glory of the Lord will be seen on them. And when we're taken out of this place, great tribulation that's never been seen heretofore is going to happen. And all the armies of the world, or the major armies of the world, are going to come against Jerusalem. And God's going to appear again. And destroy every one of them. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for our leadership that today, and anybody that knows me knows I'm not political, I'm not Republican, Democrat, none of that stuff. But any leader, world leader, governmental leader, that turns upon Israel is damned. They're cursed. Pray that our leaders have the courage and the character, the courage and the character to side. But we're not looking for this to get fixed. We're looking for the cover to not just cover a little piece of us, but all the way. God, I just come before you and I bless you for your word. I thank you for the story of Ruth that brings Gentiles like us out of idolatry into the fullness of the revelation of who you are. I thank you, O Lord, that we who were not a people are now a people. And I thank you, O Lord, that your promise for us It's true, we just got to wait out the night because morning cometh and when it comes, it'll be sunshine forevermore. I bless you today, Lord. I bless you for that one that gave their heart to you. And I thank you for what you're doing in us and for us. Bring us back together to this house that we might, as a corporate body, shout the fame of the Son of God. So be it, Lord, according to your will. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.